welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. So uh, last week we began a series, uh, Christianity 101. Have we got a screen? Oh, there we go. Look. So there was another screen and there's another one. I don't know which was the old, which was the good, the new one, but that's good. I like the new communion screen. Thank you, Eleanor, I believe. So we've got uh, some great uh, screen data designers. And look, you can see the big five there. Prayer, Bible, church, discipleship and witnessing or evangelism. And so um, Janelle did a great job last week uh, sharing uh, on reading the Bible. And so these are basic behaviours of a believer. And today I want to talk about prayer. Because prayer is, well, everybody prays at some point, don't they? Everybody prays somehow, sometime to someone up there. And of course, they can be worshipful prayers of praise. They can be prayers of petition where people are specifically seeking God, asking God for something. And sometimes it's just a wild, desperate cry for help. (laughs) And it's amazing. How many people have you met who have said, oh, or you've read somewhere or seen some TV show where they say, I prayed, oh God, if you will get me out of this situation. You heard this? You know, oh God, if you will just help me get through this then I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to serve you. And then they often just forget about that. And Oh, gee, what do you know? I was lucky. I got through that. We just saw a documentary about these terrible fires in America a couple of years ago. Little town of paradise, just totally engulfed with flames. And the whole town, they couldn't get out. They were all trying to evacuate. And they all, ah. And so a whole bunch of them were just centred on this courtyard area. And others were driving through the flames and invariably all the people they interviewed uh, said afterwards, well, we just ended up praying. We just prayed. Oh God. And some of them are being recorded. They've got their phone, they're driving and they're praying. And of course, American uh, culture, a lot of church going Christian people um, who, or at least some background in that would be stirred to, to pray that occasional desperate cry for help. But surely prayer can be a little more than that. Just an occasional, you know, glance towards heaven. Surely for a Christian, it's at the heart of our faith, the heart of our lifestyle. And so what can we do to pray more effectively? Well, the Bible has plenty of examples, plenty of instruction, and I'm going to go to just one passage and then look at just one verse in particular because it's a huge subject and you can get really stirred and excited if you study the Bible and read some great... um, teaching or testimonies or um, biographies of people who were great prayers. Read about Reese Howes, R-E-E-S, Reese Howes, who prayed and led prayer meetings in England in World War II. And they actually had a national day of prayer at one point, a government-ordained national day of prayer. And, and they uh, in the Battle of Britain, you may have heard, there were stories of German planes being repelled from the final assault on England, uh, thinking they, 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 they're going to 
bomb and take over England. It was that close to victory. And then all these planes attacked them and they had to fly back across the channel. And on that day, there were no planes left to fly. They had not sent planes. And so there were prayers going up and somehow there's stories of angelic planes, spitfires from heaven, if you like. Some, so there's some miraculous, stirring, exciting stories about prayer when you look through history. And uh, as I said, I'm going to look at just one passage here in Colossians. If you've got a Bible, it's always a good idea. Um, uh, Colossians 4. You don't even have to go to the... You wouldn't want to be a Bible publisher in the bookshops. I mean, you don't have to go to a bookshop to buy a Bible. You can just download one. It's so good. There's so many free versions. There's paid versions that have got commentaries and all that. So you can have it on your phone. you just got to have the discipline. You're not flicked over to Facebook all the time. But, you know, if it's there on your phone... You can get great daily devotions. Um, so Colossians 4, look at this in verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then keep reading. Paul says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Oh God, anyone feel convicted when they read that? Is my conversation always full of grace? Mm. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Wow. So notice that in verse 3, Paul says, can you please pray that the doors of opportunity will open for my preaching ministry? And so this shows how Paul understands the importance of prayer for God's will to be done. It's not just a matter of, oh, well, I'm an apostle and God's going to use me and I guess it's just going to happen automatically. No, he's asking people to pray that God's will will be done. And so prayer is powerful to make sure that the will of God gets done. Notice also he asks for prayer for himself so that he can preach and present the gospel clearly. So again, that shows how Paul realises, man, prayer is so powerful. I need people to pray for me. And not just a, I can pray for myself, but he covets the prayers of others, of supporters. And so prayer is essential. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is needed for God's will to be done, for us to support people, to pray for people. And then those last couple of verses, well, that's just classic, punchy, pithy, profound, to the point, practical instruction, isn't it? For speaking wisely, living wisely. And the New Testament is full of that. You can just read right through all kinds of the letters that Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Oh, and God just says, do this, do that. And of course, sometimes you think, I can't do that. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's like, oh God, do I, is my speech always seasoned with grace? I think not. Is my conversation for, well, but you come before God with that instruction and that commandment and you pray and the Holy Spirit will help you and, and empower you to live that way better and better. It's a lifelong, exciting journey, isn't it? Sanctification. <laughs> there's, there's enough going on out in the world, but the biggest enemy and the biggest challenge we have is all in here. <laughs> it's a bummer, isn't it? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you could just get yourself sorted quickly? But that's all right. God loves you all along the way. No condemnation in Christ, but there's always work to be done. So there's a tension, you know. Uh, but what I really want you to notice is that one verse right there, verse 2, and it says, uh, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That one verse that really packs a punch, um, that's the NIV, 
right? The NLT, New Living Translation, says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So let's just unpack this. Notice these three things that we can apply to our prayer life. And the first one is, of course, devote yourselves to prayer. And again, this is something that you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you with because, you know, here we're told devote to prayer, like, in other words, have a a passion for prayer, have a Uh, a commitment, a heartfelt urge to be with God, to talk to God, to listen to God. Um, And of course, the question that we ask when we read that perhaps is, well, what am I devoted to? What am I really excited about? What am I passionate about? What, What do I love to do? Who do I really look forward to hanging out with? Because, um, look, there's two ways you can be devoted to something. You've got desire, but you've also got decision. And so you can, you know, obviously with the first one, just have a natural heartfelt inclination to be with someone or to do something. comes easily. Uh, The second one is a result of discipline. You can actually develop a desire. You can develop a passion and a devotion for something if you just sort of stick with it. So, for example, successful marriages know this. It's easy to fall in love with someone you can meet someone and, oh, they're interesting. Oh, they're different. Oh, wow. oh look at that cute little idiosyncrasy. Oh, you feel the feelings and, oh, do they like me? And, you know, you the oh, butterflies and, you know. And, and, I mean, you can get that from, like, the age of four, you know. And some people never grow up. That's all they do, fall in and out of love their whole life. They're 55 and they're all like, oh, does he like me? And they're, and they've gone through too many, you know, marriages and it's a bit sad. Um, but a long-term marriage, you'll know that, all right, I fell in love with them. That was great. But there's commitment and faithfulness and decision that's going to follow up because the feelings aren't always there. That cute little idiosyncrasy isn't that cute anymore, is it? It's like, oh, isn't he cute the way he just, you know, he's so free with money and he just, oh, he sort of forgets things and, oh, he, oh his clothes, it's just like, oh, he takes them off and just throws them around the place, you know? <laughs> You know, I'm so organised, but he just, oh, it's just so funny. And then over the years, like, pick up your clothes, you slob, you know. And so that's not cute anymore. Um, and so, so that's where the commitment, the decision comes in, and you love them. And even though that idiosyncrasy is not so much fun anymore, right? You hear what I'm saying? Look, look at, uh, here's two more versions of that same verse. Look, Colossians 4 verse 2 in the New King James, continue earnestly in prayer. See, so this is another translation of that Greek word they used for devote. Um, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then the ESV uh, says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So uh, other translations say, persist in prayer or adhere firmly to prayer or give complete attention to prayer. So these words, these phrases, that's all about discipline. That's not just having the feeling of devotion. This is about commitment. So in order to maintain a devotion to prayer, it's important that we combine our heart and our head, that we actually have our passion stirred, but we also exercise our willpower. Because you can't just wait for an urge to pray to wash over you and have a consistent prayer life. You know, you'll pray, yeah, that'll have you'll see a sunset and go, Oh God, I'm tearing up. It's just a lovely moment here. I'm gonna pray. You know, well that's great, but you don't always feel like that or have a moment with a beautiful sunset. You got kids, 
screaming at you and you've got to race out the door and you've got things going on in your life. And, you, and so you might not have time or urge to pray then. But if you develop prayer as a healthy habit and discipline of your life, then your love for God, your passion from prayer can actually flow from that. Because let's face it, every day, well, I hope every day, you take a shower, clean your teeth. Tie your shoes up before you go out the door, you know, eat food. You do all these things. It's just regular daily living, isn't it? And, of course, if you didn't, you'd be smelly and disheveled and and you'd trip over because your shoes are falling off and you'd be emaciated and starving from hunger. And so no one lives like that. They get they do all the basics. And yet, sadly, some people spiritually are kind of emaciated and hungry and messy and disheveled because they're just not disciplining their life with prayer just like they do all the other physical things and so when you make the decision huh, to pray that's that's a good one whether the feelings there or not the famous fb meyer once said this the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer but unoffered prayer and so let's decide to pray yeah and um and of course the feelings can follow because perhaps like me you've had that experience where you started to pray because you know you should huh. and, and you don't feel like it. And there's something to pray about because you feel guilty already. So you start by going, oh, God, I'm sorry, I don't feel like praying. Well, that's bad, isn't it, God? Oh, you know, and so, well, there's something to pray about. You, get, you start with that. But then have you noticed that as you pray and you might have gone, oh, I'll pray for 10 minutes. I feel nothing. But, uh, yeah. but as you pray, something happens. The Holy Spirit touches that stony cold heart and things start and start to wake up and things come to your mind and come up in your heart and Bible verses that you've read are refreshed in your mind and you start to pray the scriptures and that person, oh, you realise instead of complaining about them, perhaps I should pray for them and that issue, that thing, that current affair drama that you saw on TV, instead of just going, oh dear, you realise, oh, oh God, I should bring God's power to bear and pray for those people and and then things start to develop and you can end up with a very exciting time of prayer and I trust you've had that if you haven't then just start praying you'll see you'll know what I mean and so um, that's a that's a partnership that we have with us and the Holy Spirit and with our intentions and willpower and feelings and emotions that are part of life as well. In fact, look at Romans chapter 8. I think, uh, have we got this scripture up here? Romans 8, this talks about the Holy Spirit interceding with us and through us and in us. Look, it says, uh, the, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless, through wordless groans. You ever had that? You can't put it into words. I think that's where praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues really helps. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that incredible? So when you're praying, it's not just your ideas and your thoughts. You can get into a place where you are tapping into the will of God. You may not even understand it. You may not even be able to put it into words, but you've got groans going on and you are, you're engaging with heaven. You, you've got the Holy Spirit. That's working inside you. That's very exciting. You may have heard of George Mueller. He knew one or two things about prayer. He, he built an entire uh, orphanage 
thousands of kids completely by faith, never asked for any money, had no government assistance at all in England, in Bristol, um, back in the day, 1800s. And, um, and he was known as this incredible prayer warrior because he would just pray. He would pray for needs to be met um, and wouldn't ask people for help, but just to ask God. And he knew about this tension I'm talking about between discipline and, and heartfelt devotion with reading the word and prayer. Look what he said uh, at one point. He says, it's a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. As if it were of no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them. And as if we were no use to pray when we had no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we need the word, sorry, the less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. Isn't that clever? So I trust that you make sure that dynamic works in the opposite. The more you begin to pray, the more you want to pray. The more you read the word, the more you want to read the word. And, and that's, that's true of a lot of things. You can, you know, you can develop appetites for all kinds of things. And, um, you know, uh, you, as I said, you, you've got habits, but you've got, you got appetites. You've got desires that you... I've just lost my place, excuse me. I had this great quote and he's disappeared. Oh, look, forgive me. Uh, talk amongst yourselves, it'll be 20 minutes or so. Um, look, <laughs> look, I was going to say something along the lines of, uh, you know, like, like food and uh, sports and lifestyle and all kinds of things. You can have a desire for it yourself, but sometimes you only get into it because of a friend or your partner who started you off on it and then you discover, oh, this is really exciting. Like, you know, Ruth didn't know anything about bird watching until she met me. And, and, you know, my passion for bird watching just rubbed off and she just, that's not a good example. But, you know, um, you, know you can have people who really get into, like they become gym junkies. They never would have thought of going to be fitness freaks and all that, but now they're into it because of their partner or friends that roped them in. And so it can be like that with prayer and reading the word. It can be a habit that just starts without necessarily the passion and the feeling for it. Um, and the great thing about prayer is it's not just about our enjoyment of it. It's effective. It's powerful. It's being part of the will of God being done on earth. It's shaking the heavens. It's dispelling the works of darkness. It's changing lives. Um, and another old great, an old timer, Samuel Chadwick, um, a preacher and a pastor uh, from way back wrote about this. He said, listen to this, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. The church that lost its Christ was full of good works. Activities are multiplied that meditation may be ousted. Organisations are increased so that prayer has no chance. He's talking about being busy but not having time to pray. The one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing 
from prayerless Bible studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at all our toil. He mocks at our so-called wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Come on. And so, um, and that guy, he had no problem about discipline and, and, and hard work. He was born in 1860 in the industrialised north of England and he went to work with his father at the local cotton mill at the age of eight. Worked 12-hour days. Come on. So kids, don't complain when mum asks you to unload the dishwasher. Um, all right, so the second thing about prayer we read there was being watchful or being vigilant or with an alert mind, one translation said. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. So uh, the Greek word used there means to literally be awake, to keep awake or to watch like as in a guard or a sentry in the army, being on picket, watching, staying awake. And so um, we are not to fall asleep, in, in other words, in our prayers. We're not to be lazy. We are to stay awake. We are to be watchful, just like a, a good army picket sentry. Um, and so that means we need to be awake and alert and aware of what is going on. Who needs prayer? What should be prayed about? What's the Lord wanting to see happen? What is God saying at the moment? What is God's will? Not just... Like I said, watching telly and going, oh dear, you know, oh well. <laughs> no, what is God saying here? And of course, it doesn't just mean being aware of, you know, current affairs, as in, you know, like you're some know-it-all. I can remember when I first became a Christian, we had these awkward church services. Oh man, I was a really sweet, lovely minister, but they would do this open prayer session in the church service. And there was no leadership. And so they'd say, all right, we're going to have a time of prayer now. Awkward silence starts, right? So everyone be there. Awkward, very awkward. Just like, okay. And I'm one for what's next, you know. So I'm, I'm like, righto, guys, what, what is going on, you know? We've all got places to – I mean, I had nowhere to go. I'm like 15 and I'm, you know, got no real demands on my life. But I immediately thought I had something I had to get to because it's just boring. You know, I'm like, what is going on? But there was one guy who would fill this, the, the vacuum and his, and his prayers were like this. He'd say, Lord, he had a particularly intellectual kind of twang in his voice. Lord, you know the situation in the Middle East at the current circumstances. And Lord, you know the arbitration commission dealings this week in Parliament. And Lord, you know the difficult decision that the Prime Minister needs to make this coming. And I'll be like, what? What decision? What big drama? What what do I? Yeah, I mean, I know the ABC News is sort of on in the background. My dad watched it, but what's? And then I realised after a while, this guy is just—he's just banging on about his knowledge. He wasn't, and he would just go through, Lord, you know, and he just list all these current affairs, and he wouldn't really ask for God's assistance so much as to kind of let everyone know how much he knew. <laughs> it's just terrible. And I just thought, come on, mate. I just remember thinking. That is not, I don't think that's what God meant by being watchful, you know. And, and today, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that you're just banging on social media protesting about something that you don't like or what the government's done or whatever. Because we're to pray, not protest. That's our number one calling as Christians, yeah? To engage with the world with grace, with love, not with vitriol and anger. 
Um, oh, anyway, you look, this guy, you know, God bless him. I just remember thinking, you know, I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and anointings and things like that. I just knew this is cringy, but I guess later on I would say that was unanointed. Um, but it wasn't really watchful prayer or vigilant prayer. It was just know-it-all prayer, just prideful prayer, yeah? And so pr- true prayer humbles the person before God, maybe with a situation that you know about, but then seeks God's will and petitions to see God's will being done. And we see this in the life of Jesus. You look at the way Jesus prayed. Every issue he faced, he employed prayer. He prayed passionately, with purpose, with power, constantly. And let me just give you a quick rundown. You know, in Luke 3 verse 1, you could scratch this down and look it up for yourself later if you like, but here's, I won't show the scriptures, but in Luke 3, 1, while he's praying, he hears the Father speak from heaven. And so we see from that that prayer opens heaven. And then in Luke 6, before he calls his disciples, Jesus spends the whole night in prayer. And so we learn from that that prayer gives us good direction in life. You, you don't want to make big decisions with, without prayer. In Luke nine twenty nine, while he was praying, Jesus is transfigured before the disciples. And he's there glowing and gleaming with the glory of God. And so prayer brings the glory of God into our lives. In John 17, we see Jesus praying for his disciples. So prayer impacts the lives of other people. In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that shows us that prayer is available for us all the time, even when we need to pour out our heart before God with some terribly stressful situation as he faced then. And then in Luke 23, 24, Jesus hung on the cross and again he prayed. And so that just shows us that even in the most painful and difficult circumstances, we can and should pray, yeah? So we should be watchful, vigilant, aware, praying about things, praying about everything. And then thirdly, pray with thanksgiving. Come on, this is mentioned many times in the New Testament. Thanksgiving is a great statement of faith. Because you're proclaiming your faith. You're saying, thank you, God, for this prayer being answered. Before the situation has changed, you are thankful for it. And so this is your faith expressed before God. You're, you're saying, God, you're hearing my prayer. You're answering my prayer. I haven't actually seen any change yet, but I'm thankful. And, and of course, this comes easily when you know you've prayed in line with God's will, which you get from the Word of God. And... Um, And you pray with the authority of the name of Jesus, which he's given us. And then you know also that you have the leading of the Holy Spirit. So as you pray, as I said, you sense the Holy Spirit leading your prayers. And you might start to pray about something and you might think, I want to pray for that. But you find the Holy Spirit just turns your heart a little this way. Over time, you might have aimed for that and then you realise, oh. And sometimes that's why prayers aren't answered because it really wasn't in line with God's will. People pray, well, I want this, name it and claim it. Well, that's not quite how it works, not that simple. And so we find God's will, then we pray for God's will. I'll finish with a a great story I read. You may have heard of Howard Hendricks. He was a great American uh, pastor and uh, and Bible teacher. He told this story um, years ago in a church in Dallas. We were having trouble finding a teacher for a junior high boys class. They got a great system in a lot of churches in America, of a, a, a real pattern of Sunday school before the main service. They would often have adult Sunday school, youth Sunday school, children Sunday school, lots of classes. We saw this in the States. 
Uh, and so obviously they had this junior high class. <coughs> and uh, he said the list of prospects had only one name. And when they told me, this is to, to find the teacher, right? They wanted a young man to teach this high school boys class. And then when they told me the name of the one prospect, I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> but I couldn't have been more wrong about that young man. He took the class and revolutionised it. I was so impressed, I invited him to my home for lunch and I asked him the secret of his success. He pulled out a little black book. On each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys and under the boy's name were comments like having trouble in maths at school or would like to be a missionary someday but doesn't think he has what it takes. I pray over these pages every day, the young man said. And I can hardly wait to come to church each Sunday to see what God has been doing in their lives. Wow. I just think, yeah, I mean, that was, that's devotion to prayer right there. And he's got a little system and a bit of discipline. So I'm sure there are days he doesn't feel like praying for every boy in his class. But he's got the system going. He's got the book, so he's got the habits. And, and then, of course, as he starts praying for him, even the little annoying Johnny that, oh, I've got to pray for this kid too. I want to turn the page and flip him out. No, I better pray about him. He's, oh, man, he really was annoying. But as he prays, the feelings flow and the heart comes. And isn't that awesome? He was devoting himself to prayer. He was vigilant in his prayer. And he was thankful in his prayers. He had that positive Thanks to God, this is going to work out. Faith proclamation. And so make sure that's in your prayers too. Because if you're not careful, at its worst, prayer can just be having a whinge to God, can't it? Oh, have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah. Well, what kind of prayer was that? Yeah, well, God, this is really, I'm really praying. Why don't you pray for that person that's really annoying you? When I point to Caleb, I'm just using that, uh, you know, hypothetically. So there's Leah behind you, actually. You know. Um, you know, oh God, I really pray for Leah. Oh God, just really, oh, I don't know. She's just really, amen. I mean, what is that? You know, not that Leah could ever upset anyone. I don't know how that could ever happen. But, but you know, that's not a great Thanksgiving kind of prayer, is it? You know, if you truly love by faith, love people as we're meant to, and you truly pray for them, you will find a way to be thankful for that person and to be and to pray prayers of thanks. You will not just leave the prayer closet still whinging and thinking that they're annoying or whatever. You will love them. You will sense God's heart for them. You will be, and they will change. And and husbands and wives, that's the best thing you can do for your spouse. Don't nag them and whinge about them. Just pray for them. People don't change when they've been nagged to, but they do pray, they do change when prayers are being offered. And so I just love that story, that young guy. And, um, and of course, sometimes when you pray, it doesn't bring about change straight away, but that's okay because it changes us as we pray. You know, sometimes the change that we're looking for is actually in you, not in your circumstances. So either way, a position of gratitude is, is bringing us closer to God, builds our faith in Him. So let's develop a richer, deeper prayer life, yeah? Come on, let's, let's have prayer that changes lives and changes us. Prayer that is, oh, you know, devoted, heartfelt to the Lord. Let's be a people of prayer, people who are praying with diligence and, uh, and energy and consistency and be thankful in our prayers. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, wow, you've made prayer possible. What an incredible privilege. We can talk to you 
at any time about anything. And we thank you for Jesus, Lord, you've come, you've, you've made a way, you've broken the barrier of sin and condemnation that stops us from approaching our Father in heaven. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know, today, if you're here or you're watching online and you're not close to God, I want to encourage you, you can give your life to God. You can, you can pray a simple prayer of commitment, recognising how you need Him. That's what we call sin, our mistakes, our flaws, our failings before God. But we repent from sin. That just means we turn around, change our direction, and we turn to God. We thank Him for sending Jesus who died on the cross in your place as a punishment for our sin. So we don't have to be punished for sin. We can receive eternal life. We receive forgiveness from God. And all we've got to do is pray and ask for that forgiveness, to ask for His love to come into our lives and we commit to follow Jesus. He's made a wonderful way possible for us to live a great life, follow instructions He gives us in the Word of God. Holy Spirit leads us, get to know other people in a local church who are walking that same direction all the way to heaven. What a great life. We thank you, Lord. So if that's you, I want to encourage you, pray that prayer. Maybe a recommitment or a first-time commitment. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I give you my life. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. Help me to follow you every day of my life. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.